we're going to start a series today called May Miracles. Turn to the person next to you and say, May Miracles. Yeah, we should have called it May Showers, right? And, uh, but May Miracles. And, uh, and, and I've got a couple of goals and thought processes that I want to see happen here. We're going to do three weeks, and uh, we'll start today, and, uh, and then we'll jump in. Um, let's pray, and then we'll get in kind of into my message and into the Word. Father, we love you. Thank you for this um, opportunity to share your Word. Lord, I pray that, I would, um, that I'd represent you well. That, Lord God, that I wouldn't represent myself Lord, but represent you, and that, that your words would come out of, uh, out of my mouth, off my lips, oh God. And Lord, it won't uh, hurt my feelings one bit if men and women in this room begin to have open experiences with you, open visions where you're talking to them almost face-to-face, and they don't even hear the message, Lord God, because that's what we came here for. We came not to be entertained, Lord, or to be inspired, but to, to receive from God. And so God, speak to us in ways that we didn't even see it to come a pass. And so, Lord, we bless you, bless the word, bless the hearers in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen and amen. Come on, one more time. May miracles. Okay, so miracles are defined as this. Uh, your Webster's Dictionary says, a miracle is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable and by nature or scientific laws and, that, uh, and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Come on. There is a divine agency at work in our lives. His name is Jesus. Won't you say amen to that? How many of you have experienced a miracle at least once in your life? Somewhere? Okay, a couple of you. That's so good. By the time you leave here, I have a couple purposes and a couple main things that I want you to grasp. The first thing that I want you to leave here with is that knowing that your God is the God of miracles. Your God. Not, not Allah. Your God. Not the, sun, moon, not the moon God of Allah with the crescent. Your God is the God of miracles. Uh, the third, second thing I want you to leave with is that miracles are for today. And we need them. Do you believe that? Say yes. And the third thing that I want you to leave here today with is that miracles are the proof that we serve the living God. So the world around us need to see miracles in our lives so they can say, he's real. He's the real God. And so that's our goal and our dream today. As you jump in with me, we've got a key scripture today. Would you put that key scripture up on the screen for me? This is Jesus where he opens the scroll in the book of Luke chapter 4. Did we get that to these guys in the back? There it is. And he, and he says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, what Jesus is saying, I could summarize all these little pieces in this. God sent me to do miracles. That's what he said. He sent me to proclaim. If you're bound up in in drug addiction, this is your year of freedom. He sent me to tell you that if you have have brokenness in who you are, that there can be freedom for you. He sent me to declare the year of the favor of God on your life. And he's quoting Isaiah, which is a prophecy about his life. I want you to understand this and understand it well. And that is that God loves you and that he is working miracles on our behalf. Do you believe that? Say yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Say yes. And so when you see in the New Testament, the word miracle is kind of, in Greek, it's expressed in kind of four different formats. And let's kind of look at those real quick. Uh, the first format that we see in, in the New Testament, when, when we're saying miracles, they'll use the word sometimes simeon, simeon, which means sign. 
And we see that like in the book of John where it says um, Jesus wrought many signs and wonders, but these are posted so that you can believe on him. And, and what, 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 what we mean by that is there are miracles that literally are signs. They point to something else. God does this thing to point you to something else. The supernatural thing happens to point you to something else. And the, and the Greek language uh, represents that by, by, by this uh, sign or the word uh, simeon. Uh, the other one is, uh, the second one that you'll see on the screen is tarata. And tarata is this amazing Greek word that means wonders. Wonders. Every time my wife looks at me, she has this experience. The, the wonders of the Lord and creation. Hey, going for it. No, all the visitors are like, man, this guy's messed up. But literally, it's this word wonders when you see, you see that in, in the New Testament used as well. And again, it's talking about miracles, these things that make you go, whoa, wow, oh my goodness. Like Jesus uh, calming a storm. It says that they, they, they stood there in awe. They didn't know what to do when he stopped Katrina. And he says, stop, and, and it stopped. Like, whoa, a wonder or a miracle like that. Then we, and then another Greek word is the word uh, dunamis or dunamis. And uh, that, again, means mighty works. The mighty works of God. I mean something so powerful and, and like, like, like raising the dead. That's a mighty work. That's, that's almost unexplainable. It's a mighty, powerful thing happening. And then erga. Erga is a Greek word that means works. But it's the works um, that you and I as ministers and leaders and Christians would do. The works that, that as we're going through life and things that are happening like that and you and I. So again, the three purposes. We're going to go down through those today. I want you to grab this. The first teaching piece that I want you to grasp is that your God is a God of miracles. Can I hear an amen, please? Your God is the God of miracles. One more time. Can I hear an amen? He is the God of miracles. Do you understand that there are over 150 documented miracles in the Bible? Your God is the God of miracles. Your God does miracles for a living. That's what he does. If you just started in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you would find that in six days that your God created everything that you know to be true. He is the God of miracles. He, in his nature, is a miraculous God. He's not a dead God. And the reason why this is important, because if you serve a God that does not care about you, that does not do miracles on your behalf, then what you have is a God that is distant from you. And I want you to know that your God is the God of miracles. And that he's not unable unable to perform supernatural things on your behalf. He is the God of miracles. He said, uh, said, trees, trees came to life. He spoke oceans into existence, and blah, 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 they came forth. He is the God of creation. He is our God, and he is the one true God, and he is the God of miracles. Do you believe that? Say yes. Come on, do you really believe that? Say yes. And the reason why that's important is because you and I cannot go through our day trying to be demigods. We need our God, the God of miracles, working on our behalf. There are things in my life I just can't fix. There are things that have happened in my life that if God didn't intervene, there was no way I could move forward. I'll tell you, uh, just, you know, some of you have been around us long enough to hear our story, but our oldest child, uh, Cohen Michael McCain, um, for five years, Jamie and I tried to get pregnant, and we couldn't. And we were, um, we were pretty frustrated. We were, we were pretty um, broken over it. And some of you who have struggled to have children know what I'm talking about. And so we, we, uh, we took a group, of, we were youth pastors at the time, and there was this revival meeting at a church a couple, uh, a state away. And so we loaded up and drove five hours 
uh, to Pensacola, Florida. We stood out in front. They, they, uh, they had standing room only, and you had, to, you had to get there early. And so we got there about six, eight hours before the doors opened, and we stood in line. We were the first ones in the line. We there with about, you know, I don't know what, 20, 30 teenagers, and they're acting foolish, and we're having fun, and we're getting sunburnt, and we're standing out there waiting for them to open the doors, man. And we just can't wait. It's going to be a revival meeting. It's going to be awesome. Supernatural things are going to happen. They throw open the doors. We go running in. We're the first ones, and they've already filled up the entire bottom floor of the sanctuary because they let the VIPs in from the back side door. And I was immediately ticked. Can I say that? I was mad. Because I was like, that's not right. I'm high justice. You know, like, whoa, we've been sitting out here. Look at you. you got to be kidding me. And so we ran up to the balcony. We made the last row of the balcony. And we're sitting there in the balcony, and they're worshiping, and I'm like this. And, then, man, they're crying out to God, and people are getting touched, and I'm just standing there. I'm just... And then they sit us down, so I sit down, and the guy starts preaching. <laughs> you know, sweats everywhere, and I'm just watching him. And I don't even know what he was preaching on, but it wasn't healing. And all of a sudden, he stops, like, like, huh? Like God spoke to him, and he goes, hey, hey, if you need a healing, you just need to take it. And he pointed right up to us in the balcony. And Jamie went, mm. I'm like, you okay? She goes, I'm healed. And being the man of faith and power for the hour that I was at that moment, I said, we'll see. And two months later, we conceived, went full term, and we have our son today. A miracle. It's a miracle. It's just a miracle. I want you to know we serve the God of miracles. Here's the second thing I want you to leave here today with, and that is that miracles are for today, and we need them, don't we? Somebody say yes. Miracles are for today. There is nowhere in Scripture you can show me that says the miracle stopped with the New Testament church. The reason why people teach that many times is because they haven't experienced miracles, so they have to somehow uh, give an account for that, so they say, well, they must have just stopped. Or because their theology has brought them to a place where they, and and a lot of times you can understand, people's theology are based on their life experience, just telling you. And so if their theology is such against miracles, it's probably because they saw a charlatan somewhere, or they saw some fake person pushing people down. Come on, somebody, let's be honest with each other. And so as a result, they're like, well, it can't be real. And it must have then been for yesterday because I can't deny what happened in the Bible. So I can't deny that. So I have to embrace that God did do miracles and he did use people to do miracles. And there were miracles in the New Testament church. If you read through the book of Acts, you can't read through the book of Acts without wanting miracles in your life. And so my premise is that God never stopped that. He never said, hey, I'm going to birth the church with miracles, but the rest of you guys are going to somehow have to make it without them. I don't don't think that's the nature and character of God, and there's no way to prove otherwise in Scripture. And the reason why I can say he still does miracles is because he does them in my life, and he's doing them in your life. And so a man with a testimony or an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And so, yes, I understand people have mishandled that and misjudged it, but miracles are for today. We need them more now in the United States than we've ever needed them. We need God to do some miracles in our lives like we've never seen before. When you and I begin to believe God for the supernatural to happen in our life, when you and I say, God, I need a miracle. God, I need you to do something that I can't do. That's what happened to us months ago. About nine, ten months ago, I was at a place with Church on the Hill where we had just been laboring and laboring and laboring. This church was birthed out of a prophetic word given to us. I didn't want to do it. I enjoyed traveling. It was so fun to walk in. Blow it all up, walk out, and leave the people's mess with the pastor. And I didn't have to worry about it. And they picked me up in a nice car, and I got a little nice room, and, and you know, they give me gifts. It's awesome. I like that. That was fun. And I would have happily stayed doing that. And the Lord said, no, I want you to birth a church 
in Cedar Hill. Why? There's plenty of churches in the Metroplex. Why fight all the mega churches here? Because I want you to, because it's going to be a new wineskin for a new wine. And so being a man of obedience, I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And I just thought for sure the moment we started, it would just be awesome. And people would come running and say, this is amazing. It's changing our lives. And you didn't come. Well, I prayed for you and you didn't come. You waited. And so we were meeting on Sunday nights because it was the only time we could meet because there was no place to meet on Sunday mornings. But the Methodist church, they're so gracious to us. Downtown uh, Cedar Hill rented out their place, you know, Sunday evenings. And, and so people would come and say, oh, this is great. But, Pastor, I'm putting my kids in bed before you even start preaching. So I'm going to go find somewhere else. I'm like, stop it. And so we kept trying to find a place for three years. We tried, I tried to buy, tried to rent. Every, there are 36 different locations in the Cedar here and surrounding area that I tried to buy, rent, lease, steal, murder, kill, whatever to get. And none of them would lease or steal. And so by the time we had gone through that for a number of years, I was at the place where I said, God, I quit. I don't want this. I must be a failure. And so I don't want to do it anymore. And I had approached uh, uh, this church, uh, Destiny Church, great group, man, amazing church, great leadership. And I approached them uh, a year earlier, and they said, no, no, we don't really have anything happening for that. I wanted to rent or something from them, you know, maybe do Sunday night here or something like that. And that didn't work out. And so I was at the place of, of about to quit, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you're praying the wrong prayer. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you keep praying for me to give you wisdom. What you need is a miracle. I said, what? miracle. And here's the problem. When you're a person like me who's had a lot of experience and a lot of success in doing the things that that God asked me to do, then you begin to rely on your own strength and your own abilities. And so I wasn't praying for miracles. I was praying for people to stop being full of the devil and give me buildings. And so then it, it, it came to me, oh. So I started saying, oh God, I need a miracle. I'm beyond myself. I can't fix it. I can't make it happen. And that's when we got a call from this amazing church. And their leadership said to us, listen, we're merging with another church. The facilities are available. We don't want it to go to anyone else but another church. And we believe you're the church to take it on. I sat there, Jamie and I sat there and wept. And we wept. Why? Because we couldn't do that in our own strength. Because God wants his glory to be manifest in the earth. So I get to stand and testify. It's not because I can preach. It's not because I'm nice or good looking. All those things are true. But the reason why this is happening, the reason why this is happening is because he's the God of miracles. Somebody say amen. Amen. He's the God of miracles. I need a miracle. You need a miracle. You're not going to get your boy to come back to Jesus because you keep badgering him over the head. You need God to turn his heart. Listen, you're not going to get your boss to stop being demonized because you come into work uh, just a few minutes early. God's got to change you. You need a miracle. You need a miracle. God's got to do something. You're not going to be able to forgive the person who molested you when you were a child by your own strength. You need God to do something so supernatural that you walk around and say, I don't even know. I can't figure out why I don't hate him anymore. I can't, I don't know. It's just God. He did a miracle in me. And listen to me, this is what we're after. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. So we need miracles in our life. And again, my second point is miracles are for today and, they, and, and we need them. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 7. And I want you to see how much God loves to be involved in bringing miracles to hurting people, which are you and I. And Luke chapter 7 verses 11 through 16 is this beautiful passage of Jesus raising this young man from the dead. He's probably a young man, scholars believe, in his 20s. He's of working age. He's of leadership age. And he is the only son 
of a widowed mother. In other words, the mom's husband, his dad, has died. And he is now the head of the household. And now he has died. And let's pick up in verse 11. It says, soon after... Again, Luke chapter 7, for you guys that are dyslexic, it's E cool 7. Soon after, Jesus went to town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, and the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, excuse me, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. Everybody say, his heart went out to her. Let's say it again, his heart went out to her. Do you think his heart only goes out to everybody else but you? His heart went out to her and, sa- and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. When Jesus does miracles, it causes you and your family to say, God has come to help his people. It secures the fact, I know I'm his people because this supernatural thing just happened. It secures something inside of you. Now, you've got to understand the setting in which this is, being, this is being played out. Jesus comes into this town. He's got a large group following him because he just did some miracles in another town, the town of Nain, as he's approaching the gate. Now, what has happened is this woman's son has died. Now, this is a huge understanding that you've got to grab, and that is this, that in Hebraic ways and times and traditions, that when a woman couldn't excuse me a woman could not do business or if you will represent herself or the family she had to be represented by her husband or a male uh, over her whether it be you know a, a, a brother-in-law because her husband died or a son so this woman is not able to do business and so what you find is when when uh, when you see prostitution and things like that in the bible it's mean, many times it's because these women had no other way to survive they probably had a tragedy like this. They've, they've had some type of scenario like this where they've lost their husband. They have no family. And the only way that they could even support themselves is something like that. And so what happens is the, the father obviously dies. And now the son is the head of the home. And she's able to do business. She's able to sell her goods, you know, under his banner, if you will, under their name, if you will. They're able to have place in the community. They're able to have social interaction. They're able to go to the temple and, and where there was a lot of social interaction as well as spiritual interaction and now her only son has died she's about as low as a person can be she's homeless at this state she is going to be penniless soon she has no way to continue bringing in income except for the charity of others which is usually unlikely in their environment especially with the romans taxing them so much and so her life is destitute And she is now taking her son out of the city to be buried outside in the tombs. And as they do this in in Jewish times, what they would do is they would put that dead body on a a mat, kind of small box without a lid. It would be open casket, if you will. And they would begin walking down through the city with it. And as you were working and you realized, oh, no, he died last night. And you would stop what you were doing and you would come along in the procession. And the mom would go first. The mother or the family would go first, just like we would do. And then the casket behind them. Actually, we walked behind the casket. And then the casket behind them. And then behind them are all the people who are the professional weepers and all that, 
you know, I don't know if you've ever had any of those at one of your funerals. Oh, God! And you're like, man, you don't even know him. You can sit down. And, and, and they literally would pay for people to come weep for them. It was a profession. And so some of you might can make some money at that. Anyway, so <coughs> I've had some counseling appointments with some of you. You need to think, look into that. And so, um, and, and so you know, there, here there are this whole big uh, hullabadoo is going down. And Jesus comes walking up with his big crowd of people. And typically when uh, that crowd, when a funeral procession is being met by a person of, uh, of stamina, uh, excuse me, of prestige or, or position, uh, whether it be a city official or a priest or something like that, they would simply say to them, I'm sorry for your loss. And it was, it was, a, it was a customary statement. I'm sorry. It, it went something like this. I'm sorry for your loss, uh, but God be glorified. Like, real hopeful there. And so the Messiah walks up, and it says what? His heart did what? It went out to her. He recognizes the scenario, and he walks right up to her. Do you remember what he said to her? He says, don't cry. Don't cry. He didn't give the customary, hey, it's, hey, hey God's still to be glorified. He said, oh, no, listen, sweetheart, don't cry. I'm going to do something for you. Kind of pushes her aside, walks over to the casket. They all stop, and he touches the casket. Hey, buddy, come back to life. So if it's got an exclamation mark, so it's probably a little bit more passionate than that. Hey! (laughs) Woke some of you up. (laughs) Come back to life. And I don't know about you, but I think if I was driving a hearse... And that top, the guy sits up, <laughs> it'd get my attention. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and uh, he sits up and begins to talk. And in that moment, something more, than just, something more than just bringing this kid back to life happened. He brought hope back to the family. He didn't just fix the immediate problem. He fixed a magnitude of problems, a host of problems. I want you to know that God loves you, and he's going to do miracles for you. His heart goes out to you as well. He sees what you're going through. Just pause long enough sometimes to let him do a miracle. This woman could have said, excuse me, and let's go, and kept marching right past him. But she had enough sense to say, wow, something different's happening here. Let me just pause for a moment. And she allows everything to stop. He touches this, bo- this, this casket. Boom, this kid comes back to life. He calls him for it. I want you to know, God wants to do the same kind of miracles in you and me. God is a miracle-working God. They're not for yesterday. They're for today. And you and I need them. Say it with me. They're for today, and I need them. No, say it like you mean it. They're for today, and I need them. And here's the piece that I want you to understand when it comes to miracles. Most people think it's because they're good that God does something good. Let me say, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad. He's good. Miracles aren't based on our ability. They're based on what he's already, who he is and what he's already accomplished. And so what you and I can do, and I'm going to teach you this in, this, in, in the rest of the series. I'm going to teach you about you and I walking in faith and then walking in authority. It will be our last teaching. But I want you to understand something. Here's what most people think. If I pray more, oh God, oh God, then I can see miracles. No, 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 no. Because the wicked pray. False religions pray a lot, a lot more than us. Let me tell you why you'll see miracles. Not based on your merit, but based on how close you're becoming like him. How close you're becoming to him. Because here's the deal. If I'm a professional baseball player and you come spend every day with me, you're going to start pitching pretty good. Right? 
the closer you get to Jesus. So the goal is not to be ashamed of your humanity or your sinfulness. The goal is to say, God, I'm still human, but can you use me to help that guy right there? Oh, God, I need a miracle in this. In fact, my humanity is keeping me from a miracle. Lord, would you just push that aside and just do something supernatural? This woman doesn't say she was a great woman of faith or a great woman of prayer. She just grabbed God's heart. And he stopped heaven and earth, and he did something supernatural for her. I want you to know something. God wants to do miracles in mind in your life. A couple years back, I was sitting in a restaurant, and I was talking with this gentleman, a pastor, and I was kind of helping him um, to kind of expand his ministry. I was giving him counsel and things like that, a little older man, and, and me, and he was asking me for some, you know, some, some strategic plans and things that, that, that I had been used by the Lord in. And as we were sitting there, I think it was like Chili's or Applebee's, one of them, all of a sudden, all the workers came running past us in a line, Singing, happy, happy birthday from all of us to you. Happy, circled this table where there's a young man sitting there. And they're, and they're singing happy birthday. Well, everyone in the restaurant, like, you, you know, we do. We stop and we're looking at it. And all of a sudden, I mean, this good-looking black man, I mean, he was ripped. He was shy. He was, ooh, he's a good-looking dude. And I had a man crush. And he stood there, and all of a sudden, he goes, and may all your dreams come true. And when he did that. Man, just out of, my, out of my belly, I turned back to that pastor. And I said, now there's a youth pastor, right? That dude's called to be a youth pastor right there. And uh, as soon as I said it, the Spirit of the Lord said, yep, and I want you to tell him. I'm like, man, I bind the devil, sending crazy thoughts to my mind. And so the guy's talking to me, and I can't listen. Because I'm that, you, you remember when you were a kid and you know you were doing something wrong? And you're nervous the whole time because you know I'm about to get whooped. I know I'm going to get caught, but you just got to keep doing it. And I'm rebelling. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Lord, I buy it. that's not you. That can't be you. That guy's going to think I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I can't. I was just, that was a flippant comment. I just was being silly. And God said, do it. So about that time, he comes walking past. And I go, excuse me, sir. And he goes, yeah. I said, man, you're cool, man. I was like, um, um. Um, um, he's like, can I help you with something? I was like, um, like I just saw what you did and stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, look, I'm a, um, I'm a Christian. I didn't want to tell him I was a pastor in case I missed it real bad, you know. <laughs> um, I'm a Christian. He goes, yeah. He leans over the table like, you know, I have a job, like to get back to it. And I was like, um, and, and why are you doing that, you know? Sometimes I think God speaks to me, but I'm not real sure. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say, thus saith the Lord, because that could be just me. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm not, I felt like maybe, if maybe, I don't know, but God could have been saying, like, maybe um, you're called to be um, a youth pastor. He said, what? I said, I feel like maybe God was trying to say that he has a plan for your life, and you're called to be a youth pastor. He bends down. Scoots me over in the booth. He sits next to me and looks me in the eye. He said, what did you say? I said, I mean, I don't know, man. I, just, I, I sure did like these wings, man. Yeah, these are great wings. He said, what did you say? I said, look, man. I'm sorry I'm so nervous. I'm, like, I'm shaking. <laughs> I mean, I preached to 10,000 people. I ain't that scared. I'm like, man. Because um, he's big. I mean, he's big. I mean, he's like, Paca, and he'd be done. You know, I'll be a vanilla spot on the, si- on the seat, you know. He's like, and he said, uh, I said, man, I, I, listen, bro, let me just be honest. I, I just felt like God told me to tell you that he has a plan for your life and that you're called to be a youth pastor. Tears start coming down his cheek. Let me just, coming down his cheek. I'm like, that's right, brother. 
Hey, you know, <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, that's what God wants you to know. He goes, listen. He goes, last night. He's shaking. He goes, last night. He says, Pastor, I've got to be honest with you. He goes, I've been in sin. I've been, I've been sh- shacked up with a, with a gal, and I got her pregnant, and, and I, I'm trying to run away from that. I'm trying to do my business. That's why I got this. This is my second job. But, but you know, I'm in an apartment by myself now, and last night, about 2 in the morning or something, I couldn't go to sleep, so I turned on the TV. I'm flipping through the channels. And so I came across that channel. You know that Christian channel with the woman with the, you know, and, the, and, and all that? It's like, no, nah, i never seen that, bro. And he said, uh, he goes, yeah, and he said, and I, I went past and I said, man, that's all fake. That's all fake. He said, and as soon as I did that, I felt like I, felt like I heard a voice that said, no, it's not. I'm here. I'm real. And he said, and then I said, God, if you're real and you got a plan for me, you tell me tomorrow and I'll live my whole life for you and I'll do whatever you want. And he leans in and he goes, that was last. That was 2 o'clock this morning. And here you are. I'm like, that's right, brother. Hallelujah. AdamMcCain.org. You can support my ministry. 1995. Get the book and the CD to go with that. <laughs> and listen, he keeps bringing free stuff to the table. It's a miracle, man. Miracles happen. I want you to know something. That you talk about, you know, miracles, signs, and when we see Simeon, you know, that Greek word. What it, that miracle did was it pointed him towards his destiny. It pointed him towards direction. And, and it said to him, God sees you. He knows you. And he's for you. Listen, miracles are for today, and you and I need them. I need to know, God, what will you do with this? How can I serve you? Lord, speak to me. This church is a miracle. You being here, finally, thank you. Or, no, just, or a miracle. It's every part of what I'm experiencing on a day-to-day basis. It's supernatural, and I want you to have the same thing in your life. Don't you want that? Say yes. And here's the third and final piece that I want you to grasp, and we'll start wrapping it up over the next 45 minutes to two hours. Last and final piece I want you to grasp, and that is miracles are proof that we serve the living God. Proof that we serve the living God. When God does something supernatural, it gains the attention of everyone around when Jesus prophesied to the woman at the well and said, go get your husband, she says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. You've been with five men. The man you're with now is not your husband either. You've been married five times and the man you're with now is not your husband. She goes, oh, dear God, I perceive you to be a prophet. The reason why that was so supernatural is because she had never had a word from the Lord like that. She had never had this miracle moment like this. So she goes run through the city and she says, come meet the man who, come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. And it brought the whole town out and it says they put their faith in Jesus. See, when you and I experience miracles, it touches the world around us. It causes them to say, if he'll do it for you, then A, he must be real, and B, he must be willing to do it for me too. When you and I experience, that's why it's critical that you and I stop trying to live this life in our own strength and start saying, God, I need a miracle. God, you've got to do that. I can't fix it. I can't fix this dyslexia that I'm dealing with. You've got to heal me. Let me tell you something. I want a young man to Jesus one time. He was 17 years old. He was a little Anglo dude with crackhead, been, been selling drugs since he was 12 years old. Dropped out of school in the third grade, could not read or write. He came to our youth service. He got radically saved. He said to me, he said, Pastor, I want to read the Bible and know God. I said, well, I, well, we'll get you in some classes. He said, no, 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 I'm going to pray. And he started praying. God taught the man to read. In two weeks, the man could read the Bible. Let me tell you something. That's a miracle. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. That's your problem. And we'll get to that next week. All right, so listen. Close out with this part, and I want to show you a little video. Miracles are proof that we serve a living God. I want to show you a video 
of Reverend uh, uh, Stone King. He is, um, he is a minister um, who got uh, raised from the dead, and he is speaking uh, just two months ago, April, I think, 17th, in front of the UN, United Nations General Assembly. In the room are the leaders of the world powers in the room. And he gives them his testimony of God raising him from the dead. It's a little slow, but it's powerful. I want you to watch this. Take about five minutes. You are looking at a miracle. By all medical expertise, I'm not supposed to be alive. On November 12, 2003, I fell dead of a massive heart attack in the airport in Sydney, Australia. I was clinically dead 45 minutes. They administered CPR, resuscitation, and they gave me 10 electric shock treatments to my heart. In the United States, they give three shock treatments and they stop. In Australia, they give four shock treatments and they stop. They gave me 10 electric shock treatments to my heart. The blood had coagulated already in my hands, in my arms, in my feet, and my legs. There was absolutely no hope for me at all. I was just a corpse. They took my body and put it on a stretcher and carried it to an ambulance. And the paperwork had been finished and it was DOA, dead on arrival at the hospital. But in the ambulance, on the way to the hospital, when all that medical science knew to do, and with all that was at their disposal, to administer. It did not work. But in the ambulance, just a corpse lying on that stretcher, Jesus stepped on board that ambulance, and my heart began to beat, and the breath came back. The driver was startled. The paramedic was startled. He told me later, he said, I have never seen anyone recover from what has happened to you. This all happened November 12th, 2003. After several weeks in Australia, I returned to the United States to my home by myself because I was totally healed. In 2004, I went to a hospital in Jackson, Tennessee for just a major checkup and they gave me a complete blood lipid profile. Triglycerides, LDLs, HDLs, cholesterol, etc. In a couple of weeks I went back for the results and when I walked in the doctor looked at me and he said your results are absolutely excellent. He said, but Reverend, we now can check the DNA in a person's body. We decided to check your DNA. He said, when we check your DNA, he said, when God raised you miraculously from the dead, he removed the APOE genome genetic marker 
for heart disease out of every cell in your body. He said, that is impossible. It's impossible. He said, only God could do such a thing. He said, when God healed you and raised you up, he totally, miraculously healed you. So I am grateful today to be alive because we know, having been clinically dead for 45 minutes with no breath and no heartbeat, I asked the paramedic later, I said, Nigel, what happened when you shocked my heart? He said, it would beat three or four times and it would stop. We know that after six minutes or less, with no oxygen to the brain, there is irreparable brain damage. But God has totally raised me from the dead. Finally, a doctor looked at me and he said, you have defied all the laws of medical science. I looked at him and I said, I didn't, but I know the one who did. His name is Jesus. I am an apostolic Christian, and my message here to you today is this. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The answer, Your Excellencies, to the violence in our day and to the human atrocities in our day is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. I give you Jesus. God bless you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> See, Reverend Stone King is not addressing the UN General Assembly because he's a man of character, although he be. He's not addressing them because he's a good communicator, although he was. He's addressing them because he had experienced a miracle. And that miracle put him on a platform. I'm believing that you and I will have so many miracles in our life that they put us on platforms to cause others to have to make a decision. Either Jesus yes or Jesus no. But you can't deny what he's done in me, he can do for you if you'll surrender to him. And this is the reason... I find in scripture are for miracles. Otherwise, then what happens is we become self-absorbed. Come on now. We become self-focused and we want it all for me, which appeals to that part of our humanity that's selfishly motivated. But when God does a miracle in me, it's for others to be blessed as well. It's for others to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said it like this uh, when, it, when it came down with Gideon and he said to Gideon, he said, listen, you're going to go to war against the Amalekites. He says, but I'm going to be with you. So Gideon raises up an army. He's He's got, he's got 10,000, and uh, excuse me, he's got 33,000, and the Amalekites have 100,000, so they're three to one. Oh, I hope we can do this. We're going to need God. And God said, no, you got too many people. Tell them all that are scared. They can just leave. And 20-something thousand leave him, and he's stuck with just about 10,000. And so he looks up, and he goes, okay, Lord, well, now we're 10 to one. You're going to have to do a miracle. And God said, it's still too many. I want you to break it down. He breaks it down to 300 people because God says it like this, so that when the Amalekites fall, Israel cannot take credit for, but all will say, Jehovah has done something supernatural in the land. Listen to me. 
God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to do miracles in your finances. God wants to give you opportunities to prophesy and heal the sick and raise the dead so that the world can know he is the real God. And we are his representation on the earth. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. I love that beautiful passage. And we'll just look at this one scripture real quick. And we'll close out. I accidentally skipped, skipped it. And that's that piece in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. And these signs. Quoted this to you a couple weeks ago. And these signs will accompany those who believe. And these miracles will be a part of the lives of those who what? Believe. believe. Are you a believer? Say yes. Then signs and wonders are supposed to be a part of your life. I want you to stand with me all across the room.